Church in Crested Butte. Uh, a couple of important things to note. RSVP is due by tomorrow. And the information on how to do that is given in the bulletin. So please pay close attention to that. There's also going to be practice, I believe, Bridget, for a dance that um, people will begin tomorrow. Also, in your bulletins, uh, take note of a week of fasting and prayer that we are going to be doing uh, August 21st through the 28th, uh, calling it Humble Yourselves. But basically, it's a time going into the school year, but also where we're going to pray and fast for our kids, but also where we're going to pray and fast for our church, our community. And I can't tell you how many of you I have been praying for and others have been praying for over the course of the past several weeks. There is a lot going on in our church. We need to humble ourselves before the Lord. The Bible says very clearly, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and at the proper time, he will lift you up. So we're going to do exactly that. We're going to talk more about that next week, but I just want to make note of that week um, so that you can have that information and be aware of that. Also, on August 28th, we are going to uh, have a baptism. So anybody in the church who is interested in being baptized as a believer in Jesus Christ, uh, please come and see me. And we have two people thus far who are going to be baptized. If there are others, I strongly encourage you to take advantage of that. August 28th. So anyway, all right, we are continuing our series on discipleship on the four words. We are on glorifying. And remember, I told you that God possesses innate glory. The Bible in the Greek language calls that doxa. That's just the innate glory that God possesses. You cannot add to it. You cannot take away from it. It is the glory of God, the doxa. But glorifying is something that you and I, as his children, as the people of God, can give unto him. And that's called doxazo. We glorify God. We doxazo God, by giving unto him the praise, the worship, the love, and the testimony that he is due. We talked about in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, how the Bible proclaims that he is worthy, that he has an innate worthiness. And the proper response to his worthiness is to glorify him, to doxazo him. We're not adding to his doxa, but we are giving him from what we have to glorify him. And so today we're going to begin to look at glorifying God through love. And this is really the heart of the matter, isn't it? Loving one another becomes the preeminent characteristic that we demonstrate as Christians. It is the one identifying characteristic that Jesus said people would be able to look upon and to comment upon, noting that we are his disciples because of it, his love. And we'll talk about that a little bit. It's the heart of the matter because God is love, the Bible says. God is love. Love. That is his very nature. Where love is, God is. Those who dwell in love, the Bible says, dwell in God. 
And so love is the key issue. And we're going to be looking at how glorifying God through love, what the why of that is. Why do we glorify him through love? What is so important about love in our lives as Christian disciples? Well, I want to start in John chapter 13. It's in the upper room. Jesus is giving his final words to his disciples before he is betrayed, before he is given over to the Romans, to the chief priests, and ultimately crucified on Calvary's hill. He's in the upper room. He's talking to the disciples about the most important things. He's sharing with them what their ministry will be like, how important it is going to be for them to depend upon the Holy Spirit. And in the midst of that, right after, it's interesting to note, verse 31 comes right on the heels of Judas leaving the upper room to go and to betray Jesus. Interestingly, if you, if you read verse 30, it says, As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. So, the darkness of betrayal. But then listen to what Jesus said. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, doxazo. And God is glorified, doxazo, in him. And if God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. So Jesus' time has come. The thing for which he came to the earth, his time had come. You recall when Jesus was at the wedding in Cana and they ran out of wine and his mother came up to him and said they've run out of wine. And Jesus' response to Mary was, why do you come to me? My time has not yet come. His time was the ultimate demonstration of God's love for humanity, and Jesus' love for the Father. And in the expression of that love, at that time that Jesus came, Jesus said God would be glorified in the demonstration of that love. So there's a glorification, a doxazo, that occurs when we love the way God calls us to love. Because God is love. So we glorify the Father when we love. God is glorified in Him. And God will glorify the Son in Himself. And by extension, God is glorified when we demonstrate the love that He has given to us towards one another. So we glorify God the Father. But also, note here that Jesus said, Now... The Son of Man is glorified. As I mentioned to you, his time, the time that he had come for. Several times throughout the uh, Gospel of John, John refers to Jesus pointing out that his time had not yet come. But the time now has come. Jesus came as a fulfillment I've I've spoken to you several times about this. Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies with regards to the Messiah's coming in the Old Testament. 
Now, the odds of that are extraordinary because they were time-specific. They were character-specific. But over 300 prophecies Jesus fulfilled. Jesus told his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. He said, there's not one jot nor tittle of the law that will be done away with. I have come to fulfill the law. In other words, everything about the Old Testament, prophetically, sacrificially, all of it pointed to Jesus Christ. And so Jesus came to fulfill. And here's the thing. Romans 13.10 says that love is the fulfillment of the law. Now, this is important that you get this. This is important that you understand this why of glorifying God through love. Love is the fulfillment of the law. So, do you want to please God? Do you want to do what God wants you to do? Sure you do. That's why you're here this morning. Well, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So love is the motivation for doing whatever we do. And in fact, when we are loving as Jesus demonstrated love to us, we fulfill the law. When we love as we ought to, we are going to do whatever pleases God. Now stop and think about that for just a moment. The great theologian Augustine said, love and do as you please. He said, if you are loving, it doesn't matter the the thou shalls and the thou shall nots. You don't have to worry about the 613 commandments, not just 10, 613 commandments that are given in the Old Testament. All you have to do is to love. And you have fulfilled the law. Because love is the fulfillment of the law. Why? Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament pointed to. Jesus is the culmination, the human expression of the perfection of God's love. So we glorify God through love Because love is the fulfillment of the law. Also here, look in verse 34 of chapter 13 of the Gospel of John. Jesus says, now, a new command, 614. This is number 614 for those of you keeping track. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So Jesus gives us a command to love one another. Now, here is the test of discipleship. This is what we're looking at. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about entering into a relationship with Jesus Christ that is based on his lordship over our lives. Now, if Jesus is truly our Lord, if we truly come into that relationship with him where we acknowledge his lordship over us, 
then we will do as he has commanded us to do. What has he commanded us to do? He has commanded us to love one another as he has loved us. So we love, we glorify God through love because Jesus has commanded us to do so. It's not an optional thing. Now, we're going to be talking next week when we get into the how of glorifying God through love. We'll be talking about this a little bit more, but it's sort of easy for me to read less than 10 words here. A new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. (laughs) It's not that easy, is it? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, love your enemies. Do good unto those who hate you and despitefully use you. We'll talk about that next week. But it is a command. And there were several times in Jesus' ministry where he challenged those who followed after him. In John, or Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but do not do the things that I tell you to do? He said, There will be many who come to me on that day and who say to me, Lord, did we not... Cast out demons in your name. Did we not do many wonderful works in your name? And he said, I will say unto them, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I never knew you. That's heavy stuff. Are we truly disciples in a relationship with Jesus Christ that actually acknowledges his lordship over us. Because here, Jesus is commanding us to love one another as he has loved us. So there is the challenge. As I said, it's the heart of the matter. If we don't, then we really do not have the right to say we are his disciples. Because If we are his disciples, look, it points out when we are obedient to him who we are, that we are in relationship with him. By what will everyone know that you are the disciple of Jesus Christ? Exactly. As he loved us, so we must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. So loving one another demonstrates our relationship to Jesus Christ, that we are his disciples, not in word only, but in deed and in truth. Love is the key. It's an indicator of relationship, and it's certainly a a demonstration of the fact that we have submitted to his lordship over our lives. We do not love only when it's convenient. We do not love only those who are easy to love. We love because he has commanded us to love. It's not an optional thing. That is what we do as Christians. We love one another. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ is saturated in love. John 3.16, scripture you guys all have heard, many of you have memorized. For God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he what? That he gave his only begotten son 
that whomsoever should believe in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. Love is the initiator of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It says, you know, and sometimes we, we stop and, and we think about uh, sharing the gospel. And, and we think in terms of, you know, tracts perhaps or, or telling people that they've got to repent and turn around and, and forsake their sin, which is all true. But I want to, to, to challenge your thinking on that. I, I was watching a, a documentary here not too long ago that showed some people uh, standing on a busy boulevard in some beach city. And they all had signs they were holding up. And it said, turn or burn. Repent or you'll go to hell. And I was just thinking to myself as I was watching that, I was thinking, well, the message is accurate. But if I'm a person walking down the sidewalk and I see these signs, you know, I'm just pretty sure I'm not going to stop and say, yes, that's it. I get it now. Oh, the sign tells me to turn or burn. You know, the Bible says in, in, in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, that it is the kindness or the goodness of God, the loving kindness of God, that leads us to repentance. The recognition that He loves us so much and so unconditionally that He just continues to engage our lives, continues to give us good things, continues to bless us, in spite of the fact that we so often fail Him. It is His loving kindness that leads us to repentance. So love saturates the gospel. We glorify God when we share the gospel of Jesus Christ in love. We are to speak truth, the Apostle Paul said, but we are to speak it. How? In love. So love accompanies every aspect of our lives. What we speak, how we act, the decisions we make with regards to interaction with those who are our enemies. Love has to be at the heart of every one of those things. Or, as I said, we're really not his disciple, are we? Also, We glorify God through love because the Holy Spirit has been, what? Given to each one of us. Every one of us here this morning who are believers in Jesus Christ have been filled with His Holy Spirit. The Bible promises that the Spirit within us is a down payment towards the resurrection that one day we will experience. We have a new spirit that leads us, that empowers us, that strengthens us, that directs us. But in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, in describing the fruit of the Spirit, what did the Apostle Paul say was the preeminent characteristic of the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives? Exactly. Love. Not political persuasion. The fruit of the Spirit is that you are a Republican or you are a Democrat. That's not the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. 
that is the indicator of the presence of the Holy Spirit within us. So we glorify God through love because it's a command of Jesus Christ, because the gospel is saturated with love, and because the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives as Christians directs us to love as Jesus loved. You know, the unfortunate reality for the church is so often we are not known as people of love. I'm just speaking the truth. So often people, when they, non-believers, when they think about the church of Jesus Christ, I made the joke about Republicans, Democrats, but unfortunately for a lot of non-believers, that is their understanding of the church is that they they are representing the conservative wing of whatever party. And we're out there proclaiming our beliefs through a political spectrum that sometimes directs people to really miss the message of love. So, I think what we need to do as Christians is to really step back and begin to evaluate the message. Do we want to be people who are standing on a street corner with the these and the thous? Or do we want to be the people who are in the midst of the crowd? Developing relationship with people understanding what's going on in their lives, sharing and bearing their burdens with them. And then in the course of of doing that, letting them know, I do this because Jesus is in me. The Holy Spirit indwells me because I love God. Do you think that the person on the receiving end of that message is going to be more open to a person who engages their life, who shares their burdens, who tells them, I love you because God first loved me. More so than the turn or burn. It's all in the delivery, church. It's all in the delivery. And the delivery is love. Jesus had a woman brought before him. And the leaders of the Jewish religion said, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now the law says that she should be stoned. What do you say? They were right. The law did say that she should be stoned. But Jesus said, He who is without sin among you, you be the first to cast a stone. And they all left, from the oldest to the youngest. And suddenly it was just Jesus and the woman there. 
Jesus said, woman, where are your accusers? She said, they've all left, Lord. And he said, well, then neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. That, my friends, is how we glorify God through love. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that is found in it. But, but even more so, Lord, we thank you for the love that you have shown to us, that you have given to us, that we might in turn show and give to others. Lord, strengthen us so that we might truly love one another and truly demonstrate to the world that we are your disciples. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says that we love because he first loved us. So as we sing this hymn to conclude, and actually Barry said, is that really in the hymnal? And it really is in the hymnal. We're going to stand up and sing Jesus Loves Me. Heavenly Father, I pray your blessing upon this congregation. I pray that you would fill each one of us with the love of Jesus Christ, that we would experience and meet that love in our hearts, Lord, that the love of God shed abroad in our hearts would go forth from our lives in ways that we could not even begin to imagine. Lord, help this congregation to 